Welcome. Thanks for joining us today. So glad you found us. We want to give a special welcome to you if this is your first time and say thanks for stopping by and checking us out. And we invite you to click on the digital connection card up here in the corner and just let us know who you are and how we can pray for you. And if this is your spiritual home, we say welcome to you and are glad that you found time to join us today. And would invite you also to click on the digital connection card up here in the corner and just let us know if there's something we need to know more about. But we're grateful we can worship together here online. A couple of things I want to make you aware of. One, uh, I mentioned it last week and I want to again extend uh, an opportunity for you to dig into a conversation that we're having at the presbytery level with some of our churches. And there's a link here in the worship notes to what uh, Matt Skolnick, our general presbyter, is calling the uh, uh, church partnership slash starting point, just a beginning of dialogue on how our churches can thrive in this new season and would invite you to take a look at the PowerPoint slide deck. There's a PDF here that you can access. And again, would be interested if you have any thoughts, you can send an email to me at tom at lindenroad.church and I'd be happy to dialogue with you and just get your thoughts. As we try to understand what's going on in the country of Ukraine with the invasion of Russia, yesterday our friend Wayne Shepherd, who has first person with Wayne Shepherd, where each week he does a interview with someone of note uh, yesterday, he had a conversation with Pastor Sergei Nakol, uh, who we've shared here the last number of weeks, his ongoing reporting as a uh, radio journalist, although he's been using YouTube to help communicate what's going on. But Wayne had a much deeper interview with uh, Pastor Sergei uh, from his church, where he is currently sheltering with other families there in uh, Kiev, uh, Ukraine. And so I want to share two different uh, interviews that Wayne did over this last week, it'll just help you better understand uh, of how God is working in the lives of his people in a war, uh, torn country like Ukraine is right now. And so here these words from uh, Pastor Sergei as he talks with uh, Wayne Shepherd. Uh, over and over again, you've been searching God's word during this time. Being a That's pastor, true. and you've, you've been posting videos and short clips that uh, we've all benefited so greatly from. Uh, can you talk about what it's like to read scripture now in the circumstances you're in? I mean, it must it just it must just pop off the page at you. Uh, brother, I would honestly, sincerely just just tell you, uh, the whole perspective on scripture is just uh, completely different. The same pages, the same Bible, uh, the same words that. I've read as a pastor, as a Christian, thousands of times and preached them. But now I could, I could assure that this is power, supernatural power of God's word. Hmm. They could, I experienced in my life, in my circumstances, uh, I've, I've, never, I've never experienced this. This is really something. And this is inexpressible, as I told you earlier. So, for example, uh, this petition, give us daily bread. Yeah, completely different perspective. When, when you pronounce these words, give us daily bread, you understand the value of this petition and your dependence on God. When, when you're pronouncing another petition and, uh, uh, and protect us from evil one, you, 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 you understand uh, what is incarnation of this evil here nearby us, in 20 kilometers from our church. Uh, 
Yeah, when uh, uh, people who are just murdering our people are staying there and killing uh, them. Or uh, Psalm 91, when you say, you will, not, uh, you will not fear arrow in the day and uh, pest in the night. Now I read it, you will not fear uh, rocket in the day yeah. and uh, enemies in the night because we have a lot of enemies who are trying to, uh, to attack our city during nighttime. So you see this, the same words, I know them by memory. Of course, in Ukrainian, uh, but when you read this in different uh, context, word of God becomes, uh, word of God shows you another supernatural facets. It turns to you in this need and in this situation. I, I, and I would assure you, any liberal, any atheist, or agnostic would persuade me that the Bible is just a product of uh, human origin at all. Guys, come here to Ukraine. I'm inviting all atheists, all Christian liberals and uh, agnostics and so on, please come here. And I would assure you that when you'll be reading Bible in this context, you will become Bible-believing Christians. Amazing and powerful. Thank you, Pastor. And then Wayne also had a conversation with a gentleman by the name of Eric Kirshner, who has volunteered over the years with Mission Eurasia, which is part of what FEBC, where Pastor Sergey is a journalist with. I want you to hear what Eric has to say about what's going on in this country that's just next door to Ukraine. Eric Kirchner has been a longtime friend of mine. He's now volunteering with Mission Eurasia and is in the region, actually in Moldova. Tell me about the days that you've had the last uh, 24 hours or so, Eric. Well, I'll tell you, Wayne, it's been a spiritual battle in many different ways. Um, yesterday, we did get to the border, and uh, the shocking thing about this experience uh, versus I was actually in Bosnia and Croatia in the early 90s when the conflict was going on, that these people are crossing the border with a suitcase, a sleeping bag, a blanket. One of them, uh, one of two gals had their pets, their little dogs with them. Um, lots of little kids, uh, all, all females, uh, hardly any males at all, because the men are staying back and fighting. Mm -hmm. uh, talked to several people, a couple teenagers from a local Christian church. Uh, it's actually called Church Jesus Savior, uh, between 1,000 and 1,500 me members. And these kids actually counseled a woman yesterday morning who came across the border uh, from Nikolaev, uh, which is just up away, about 150 miles away from where we were, watched her husband get shot and killed oh. the night before. Oh. Um, another lady came across with two of her kids. She was in the shelter for the last two weeks and heard shelling and bombing and told her husband she couldn't take it anymore. And she made the journey and got in a van and hopped across the border as well. She had a very good friend with a sick baby uh, who needed to get it to a clinic or a pharmacy. She went to the clinic, the Russians shot and killed her and the baby. Mm. Um, I'm hearing these senseless stories over and over again. And the difference between the experience I'm having now and the experience I had between uh, Serbia and Bosnia and Croatia is there were maybe 20,000 troops back then. I'm hearing over 120, 150,000 troops, Russians are coming in, shooting indiscriminately, 
Uh, another lady that uh, I talked to, her husband uh, went out to, to try to talk to the Russian soldiers and convince them to drop their weapons and stop shooting. They shot and killed them right there in front of her. So uh, it's, it's heart-wrenching and, uh, you know, you try to control your emotions. But for me, I keep thinking of my calling. Um, Jesus has saved me. And uh, I had a, an abusive life growing up. I looked at these people. My abuse was nothing compared to what these people are suffering. Mm-hmm. So you've actually been assisting those crossing the border. Um, Moldova has opened its uh, its arms to these refugees, but at the same time, Moldova itself, its future is uncertain, isn't it? It is, and, and that's another uh, point. There are two things that struck me yesterday. Number one, I asked them what's going to happen in two or three or four weeks. Um, the Christian church has been generous in feeding and clothing and helping these people, giving them shelter. Churches are opening their doors, letting massive numbers of people. In the church I was at last night, between 350 and 400 people are sleeping in the church in area cottages. Um, but can they sustain that? Um, that? That's worrisome. The other is, now that I see the geography and the environment and how close we are to the Ukrainian border, the people here... Um, they only have what I would call a National Guard, about between 1,000 and 1,500 soldiers to protect them. They're afraid that if Russia continues coming south, they're going to come right into Moldova and take over uh, without too much of a problem. And uh, one, uh, one family I talked to, they have their bags packed. And what they told me is, we're watching the American embassy. If we see the American embassy closed down, we're in our car and we're leaving. It's it's a it's a desperate situation, and I'm not sure any, anybody out there is uh, is seeing what what I'm seeing. I point you to Wayne's full interview with Pastor Sergey uh, here in the worship notes, where you can get a sense of uh, what just all how Pastor Sergey is trying to lead, and even understand how God is working in the midst of uh, all that's going on there. We want to take a, a moment now and pray for all that's going on there. God, we do pray your presence into this uh, circumstance. Uh, We know that uh, you're in control, and yet we know there's so much brokenness taking place here. And so today we pray your Holy Spirit's presence into our brothers and sisters there. And then we pray against all the things that are coming against, the darkness and the evil. We pray that you would uh, move in a way that would bring about peace. And so we just pray that in all these things we don't understand, that you would give us comfort and give us understanding in our own journeys that you are faithful. And we just pray it now in the strong name of Jesus. Amen. And finally, the March of Prayer is landing its uh, third week here. There's a link to a poster that has the remaining uh, dates and locations. would point you to the archives on the Godsfield Facebook page. And then last week, as they were at Freedom Ridge, they focused in on youth and they had area churches provide a greeting from their uh, students and their ministry, and so check this out real quick. Youth of Mansfield First Assembly, and thank you for praying for us. Greetings from Southside Christian Church. Grace Point, Washington! 
Blessings for London Road. Right, so cool to see our kids lead there. Why? It's a simple question with no simple answers. Why now? Why this? Why me? Is God even here? Is he listening? How can we know? We've made it through dark times before, and I want to have faith, but I still wonder, why? I'm wondering if you, like me, have tried to break a bad habit, and there just seems to be no way that you can break it. Maybe you've prayed and you've made all sorts of promises to God, and maybe it stopped for a moment or for a little bit, but then you just fell back into the routine. Maybe it's all about uh, losing your temper after you came to church with this idea that you're not going to cuss anymore, and you get to church and everything goes well, but by the time you get home, you've, uh, yeah, it just hits the wall, right? And then you end up just feeling guilty about all that you've uh, left behind in terms of your promises. And then you even end up feeling worse uh, because of just the guilt of trying to leave something behind that doesn't want to seem to let go. And as we think about these things, we, I think we all have had moments in our lives where we, want to, uh, we just want to change. We want to move into a whole new direction. And you've asked God to help you and you've tried to stop and it just didn't work. And so today I want to look at, as we're in this series called Ever Wonder Why, of just this idea of that. Uh, why can't I stop doing, and you fill in the blank, whatever it might be. And so let's pray together. God, as we look at this uh, journey of ours of faith, and we know there are these moments that come against us, and they steal our joy, and they steal our heart, and they steal our focus from you, we just pray that as we look at your word this morning, we may be encouraged to be people of faith as we trust you and leading us in the direction that you would have us walk and the path you would have us be in. We just thank you for your promises that are true and we pray your uh, guidance in all these things through Christ's name. Amen. So I want to say that part of this, and I see this as I walk uh, with um, some young people that are at risk uh, or as I lean into conversations with uh, families that are trying to get a better understanding of their uh, life story and how they have all sorts of good intentions, but they end up having the wrong strategy. Uh, and yet what it really comes down to is this idea of trying to change a habit or a focus or a perspective or an attitude. And the reality is that they're change, trying to change in the wrong way. So I want to say, first of all, as we lean into this conversation, it's, it's going to be incomplete. Partly because our lives are incomplete, and especially when we think about what God's doing and even what our life story is and where we're at currently in our journey. There's a lot of factors that we need to look at, and I can only give just a small understanding today just to help lift the cover a little bit or look up behind the curtain on why it is that we can't stop doing whatever it might be. Uh, and, and first of all, it's just, it's just really practical. And we think about how we're wired at the various levels, right, emotional and relational and physical, and each of those things are how they play in. And even one element that I've become aware of, and we talk about in our uh, communities now from a mental health standpoint, is an understanding that's called Adverse Childhood Experiences, or ACEs, A-C-E. And there's a link here in the worship notes if you'd like to take a look at it. Because the mental health folks have found, and actually it, it's not just mental health, but uh, this uh, study was done 
through Kaiser Permanente, a healthcare organization, they, they realized that there's a correlation between how we grew up and how our emotional and our relational and our physical uh, parts of our lives are impacted by the things we have experienced as children. And then really at the end of all this is this idea at, at the core is that all these issues are spiritual issues fundamentally. And it really does have to do with our disconnect from what God has for us when we don't pursue his plan and his perspective and what is you know, the desire he has for us. And we live outside of his worldview and we try to operate from our own worldview that we find ourselves working through the messiness. And the truth is, the truth is we're trying to meet a spiritual need uh, with something that's not God. And see, we're all created with this God-shaped hole, as we've heard others talk about. And so today what I want to do is just focus in on one particular area, which is the spiritual aspect of how do we change, uh, how to look at our lives as being grounded in our spiritual faith formation, and then how can we uh, look at Scripture to help us understand where true change comes in the way we would live our lives. And I want to suggest that for many of us, that the reason why we can't change, the reason why we can't move from where we find ourselves and dealing with our addiction or our habits that are causing us issues is that we're focusing on what I would call the poison of religion and forgetting about the power of grace. Now, let me say that again. I think we're focusing on the poison of religion and forgetting about the power of grace. Now, you say, what? Wait a minute. I thought we're supposed to be religious people. Or even you might ask me, aren't I a religious person? And I want to say I'm not, not at all. In fact, if you really think about it, uh, I don't think anybody who loves God is a religious person. In fact, you may not like religion, and neither do I, because I think it's all about Jesus. So I want to define first, what is religion? Because I think that's part of our misunderstanding of how to make change. First, religion is our attempt to earn God's approval by following all the rules. It's really all about trying to please God without God. And so the reason that we can't make a change in our habits or in our behaviors is that we're trying to change ourselves by being religious and not by this idea of grace. Here's what I want us to look at today. It's probably one of the most powerful verses in Scripture, and I'll bet you've never seen it before. It's in a little obscure book in the back of the New Testament called Titus. And here's what uh, the writer of Titus says. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. The grace of God. One of the tenets of our, our Reformed tradition is this idea of sola gratia, uh, that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, without works. And we've looked at this before, but I just think as we try to understand why is it I can't change, we need to really understand this idea of what is grace. Uh, so the Greek word for grace is charis or charis, and it basically means the unmerited goodwill and favor of God. Now, what we need to see is that God's favor, that God's power, that God's strength, it's always a gift to us. It's not something we can earn. It's not something that we deserve. In fact, we say as we lean into our understanding of our faith that we are saved by grace. Now, the problem is that I think many Christians are, are, have an understanding that once they've made a profession of faith in Jesus, 
that they're saved by grace, but the rest of life is based upon what they do, that it all falls on their shoulders, that you've got to get it done, that it's about giving money, that it's about serving, that it's about showing up at church. And yet that's, uh, you can try as hard as you can, and I think especially in this season, just saw a statistic this week that churches in this last uh, three months are reporting a 30% reduction in worship attendance over a year ago. And so as we've opened back up, as we've come out of the global pandemic, we've found that there's still many people who have yet to come back to church. And yet, maybe we're all trying hard. Uh, Maybe we're trying to check the boxes and we're trying to follow the rules. And some are trying just to be good and trying not to be mad and trying not to lust after things, but it just really, it's just hard stuff. And again, it's this idea that we need to see what grace is all about. There's a fundamental point I want to make today, and that's this idea that that grace that saves you is also the grace that sustains you. Let me say that again. The grace that saves you is also the grace that sustains you. Here again in Titus, he says, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Now, what does it do for us? It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It teaches us to deny our worldly passions. And it teaches us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives. But the question here is, what is the it that teaches us to live this life? Because I want us to see that it's not rules, and it's not law, it's not religion, It's not an angry God who's watching. It's simply this one word, Chris, grace. It's the grace of God. That's what allows all this to happen. Because you see, what enables you to say no to wrong things, it's not your grit, it's God's grace. It's not your strength, it's actually the strength of the Holy Spirit. I want to share again this fundamental idea is that the grace that saves you is also the grace that sustains you. And that the reason why it's been a problem and why we can't change, we've been focusing on the poison of religion and forgetting the power of grace. Now, how does God's grace change us? Let's take a look at this. I mean, the problem is, is that the focus of religion is outward. I mean, this idea of whether you're yelling at the kids or you want to quit smoking or you want to quit drinking or you want to somehow leave some addiction behind. You don't want to keep spending money that you don't have. It's all these things. What does it say here? He says in uh, Matthew, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be clean. That's Matthew chapter 23, verses 25 and 26. I want us to see here that the focus of religion is outward. That's what what Jesus is saying to us. But it's what happens inside of us that is what matters. It's that's where the power of grace because it's inward. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter 3, I pray that from his God's glorious unlimited resources he will empower you with inner strength through his holy spirit. So I think for all of us, I think about my own story. I think about the things that I've had to walk through as a follower of Jesus, it's when I fundamentally understood that I can't change because of the way I am. I think it's clear here what Jesus wants us to see is about what takes place in our heart. 
it's those things that's inside of us. I don't mean just inside our bodies, but it's what's inside our hearts and our mind that distract us from who God wants us to be. Because you see, the reality is, is if we don't change our behaviors, if we don't change our heart, the, the behavior is going to come back. And so I want us to see that real and lasting change is a reflection of God's uh, work and his grace that's taking place on, on the inside and what he's doing in your spiritual heart and head. The real and lasting change is a reflection of what God's doing inside of you. It's the grace on the inside. Because again, if religion is all about the outward. It focuses on the outward, whereas grace focuses on the inward. Where it's simply this, say it this way, the focus of religion is outward, but the focus of grace is inward. Religion says this, you just got to try harder. You just got to make it happen. It's up to you. It's that you just need to do better, that you just need to stop. And what grace says is simply this, trust more. Because we need to see that it's not about me trying in my own power, but really it's about relying on God's power. Even as we talked about last couple weeks of just how to deal with these deep questions is it really does come to how I understand my relationship with God. Again, Paul says here in 2 Corinthians, but he, God, said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Remember when we talked about this a couple weeks ago when Paul, and this is one of his prayers because he's got this thing going on that he can't figure out how to get rid of. And yet Paul's attitude is simply that God's grace is sufficient for him in this moment, and he's going to trust God. So I want you to see that it's not about trying harder, that it's about trusting more. Because here's the way it works. When I trust that God always loves me, that grace will sustain me, then I can be honest in where I find myself. I can be honest with God, and I can be honest with others. Because here's the reality. You are only as strong as you are honest. And so here's the idea is that get help, that that's bringing things into the light of day is where uh, we see transformation take place, that we know that sin as what it is, it grows best in the dark. And so we need to expose it into the light. And so as I've learned from our friends who are in the 12-step movement, or whether it's our friends through AA or our friends with Narcotics Anonymous who use our space, thanks to your generosity, and faithfulness is they remind us that the first step in growing is is this idea of admitting that you've got a problem and the idea fundamentally that you can't do it on your own and so that's the moment of truth for all of us even as you think about what it is you're trying to work through is to admit that you can't make it work and to admit that you've got a problem and to be reminded that you can't do it on your own and I'm sure that if more than one person tells you you have a problem, you need to admit you've got a problem. And the reality is true also is that you cannot correct what you won't confront. You have to admit and then you have to ask for help. Now I want to say this very clearly because I've had enough conversations, just had a conversation last week when I was in jail talking with a, a young man who I actually saw in jail three years ago and he's back in, is that he needs to ask for help and to remind him that asking for help is never a sign of weakness 
that it's actually a place of understanding. Even the idea of my meeting with him as he got up at 9 a.m. when normally they like to sleep in when they're inside the facility. And yet I could tell just by the questions he was asking is that he finally is at a place uh, two weeks in of really getting to some resolution to what he's been working through. And it really, I said to him, is a sign of wisdom that he's finally owning up to the reality that he needs to address these issues because it's just not working for him. So I want us to see that fundamentally when we ask the question, why can't I stop doing whatever it is, that the reality is uh, that it's not really complicated, that it's grounded in a spiritual uh, question of who are you? And for you to be reminded this idea of what grace is, right? It's the unmerited favor of God. And to realize that there's all these things to our lives, but grace is greater than that. It's greater than the practical way we live our lives or the emotional aspect of our lives or the relational aspect of our lives or even physical aspects of our lives. And really what it comes down to is that for many of us in these moments, we were afraid of not being in control. What happens is in these moments, when we don't address it, is that we begin to feel even more alone and depressed and, and left out. It makes us feel empty and, and anxious and angry. Or it's this idea, you're trying to meet a need or relieve a hurt with something besides God's grace. And so I want to say that this problem won't go away. In fact, it gets worse as you try to do better. It comes down to this idea of focusing on the poison of religion and forgetting the power of God's grace. It's not the idea about trying harder. It really is about trusting more. Paul said, but when sin increased, grace increased all the more. Now, as we talked about last week, the cool thing here is the way God works is the, the bigger the battle we're facing, is the promise of God that he's gonna be there and there's more grace that's gonna be available to us. Because you see, because Paul tells us what? That the grace that saves you is the same grace that will sustain you. Okay, so again, this idea of grace. Grace doesn't just forgive you from sin. Grace actually frees you from sin. And so let me just land on this idea of grace. You see, grace doesn't just forgive you from sin but grace frees you from sin. And that's what Jesus promised us. He said, as he quoted Isaiah 61 to his call of ministry there in the temple, is that he came to set the captives free. And so it's that freedom that we all are looking for. And so let's pray. God, we're grateful that you've not offered us religion, but you've offered us a relationship. And so today we, we pray that you would strengthen that relationship pray that we would uh, be a people that trust you more with how you're leading in our lives. And in those moments when we doubt, in those moments when we're struggling with uh, leaving a sin or a habit behind, that your grace would be all the more sufficient to sustain us. And it's in the power of that that we pray together. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.